0: Welcome to the history of North America. I'm Mark Vinette. We're taking a break from our usual episodic fare for something very different. Esteemed podcaster Steve Guerra invited me on his show, Beyond the Big Screen, to discuss the Mel Gibson movie Apocalypto, set in Mesoamerica during the Aztec Empire and Mayan civilization. I hope you enjoy part two of this interview.
1: The beginning of the movie, the whole stage is set when kind of a bucolic ideal village, hunter-gatherer village is attacked by a band of warriors. And we see pretty quickly that they're there 100% to catch the people. They're not there to destroy the village and maybe take their stuff. This war band is there to capture the people. And initially, when I first saw the movie, I'm thinking, well, they're there to take them as slaves. And that's not necessarily what all of them are being taken for but maybe we could first talk about slavery and how what maybe in the in the Mesoamerican culture how did they view slavery was it in a similar context as maybe we see it in the the European or western mindset or was it a different uh version of slavery not that any version's good but different you might say
0: Well, as we know, slavery has been part of of human societies uh, for thousands of years. And in Mesoamerica, slavery developed for all the common reasons uh, that helped develop the practice uh, everywhere else, basically for an exercise of power, control, and for free labor. Mesoamerican civilizations and the cities that were built were often built on the back of slave labor. Now, Slaves were also employed in the practice of human sacrifice, which was to win favors from their many gods. The Sacrifice was a religious activity, as we said, in Maya culture, and involved the killing of both humans and animals. And bloodletting or auto-sacrifice by the members of the community was prevalent and superintended by priests. Human sacrifice was very complex. It was a brutal ritual which was performed in honor of the gods. Every sacrifice had to be meticulously planned from the type of victim to the specific ceremony needed for the god. The sacrificial victims were usually captured warriors, like in our movie, but sometimes slaves. I don't think in Apocalypto, our heroes who were captured were not captured to be slaves. As we find out, they were captured to be sacrificed. Now, the women, the women were sold into slavery, and we see that in the movie. And the older folks, uh, one in particular, is just abandoned and not even sold because there's no buyers. But with respect to the men, they're seen as warriors, and they are seen as high-level sacrifice victims, depending upon the god and the needed ritual. Now, the higher the rank of the warrior, the better he was considered as a sacrifice. The victims would then take on a persona of the god they were to be sacrificed for, and they were often housed, fed, and dressed accordingly. This process could last up to a year. And that's not the case in the film, of course. It is a two-hour movie and things have to move ahead. And everything is very concentrated within a few days. So they're captured. They're marched to the capital city, then offered for sacrifice. But in reality, a lot of these sacrificial victims were prepared one year in advance. And when the sacrificial day finally arrived, the victims would participate in the specific ceremonies of the deity and were sometimes drugged in order to exhaust the victims so that they could not struggle during the horrifying ceremony. Then the priest performed the sacrifice, usually at the top of the pyramid, and each victim would be laid upon a table, held down, and subsequently have their hearts cut out. In my opinion, Apocalypto portrayed a type of human sacrifice which was more typical of the Aztecs than of the Maya. That's where I think both cultures were fused for Hollywood purposes.
1: That's a, something that I've been thinking about, is and especially since you've been and you've brought brought it up, is that the the movie focuses in on these people who are Maya, but you're saying by about the year fifteen hundred, they had been kind of on the down and outs for a good five hundred years, and it was really the Aztecs, and they're displaying more of the Aztec culture. Was the what were kind of the maybe the the big differences that we could uh, wrap our minds around between Aztec culture in the 1500s and maybe peak Mayan culture.
0: Firstly, the Mayan culture and civilization lasted for about a thousand years. And that's why we refer to it as historians as the Mayan civilization or the Mayan culture. The Aztecs was much more concentrated and didn't last as long. And we refer to them usually as an empire, the Aztec empire which was an alliance of three city-states that ruled the area in and around the Valley of Mexico from 1428 until 1521, when they were defeated by the Spanish. Now, many folks think that it was just a few hundred Spanish soldiers with modern weapons who conquered the great and mighty Aztec Empire. In actual truth, it was the Spanish conquistadors who allied themselves with the many, many Aztec enemies who were native of the area and decided to all join together and defeat the empire. And that's what actually happened. But the Aztec were very controlling and they were often viewed throughout history as more brutal or more brutes than the Mayans. And I think that's one of the reasons why Mel Gibson preferred telling the story of the Mayas instead of the Aztec. I think he saw the Mayans as being a bit more sophisticated in their culture than the Aztecs. Uh, For example, the Aztec military leader, Tlalacol, who was the leader of the capital that I mentioned, Tenochtitlan, he was the principal architect of the Aztec Triple Alliance and hence the uh, Aztec Empire. He also instigated a policy of burning the books of conquered Mesoamerican peoples with the aim of erasing all memories of pre-Aztec past. So that's just a hint at how the Aztecs did not necessarily respect the histories and pasts and cultures of their tributary city-states.
1: So that was actually an Aztec who planned the book burning?
0: Yes, it's not discussed very much in history. No. What's usually discussed is the Spanish who eventually, the Spanish priests and clergy who eventually burned a Mesoamerican books. But ironically, before the Spanish arrived, Aztec leaders were burning books themselves. So we can see clearly that burning of books is a kind of universal when it comes to wanting to erase the history of conquered peoples.
1: That adds another layer to the fact that uh, the, the of con- the conquest of Mexico by the Spanish in particular is the fact that they used they played alliances against the Aztecs of native alliances and that it wasn't just uh, Cortez comes in. It's like 25 guys. They uh, take out a civilization of millions of a highly technical situation, civilization who, I mean, they didn't have metallurgy, but they had really effective weaponry and they were far, far numerically superior it really the the standard telling that you might get in your um hel- your elementary or even your high school education of the conquest of mexico really it takes away the agency uh, of the the mesoamericans
0: and the the aztecs with respect to mesoamericans they were weakened by civil wars and by internal conflicts between the different cultures, the different nations, the different city-states. And it's what we think is one of the main reasons why they were defeated so handily and so easily by the Spanish. That and many other reasons, Uh, environmental depletion, but internal strife amongst Amerindians is one of the key factors.
1: A really interesting, just to shift gears a little bit, uh, an interesting part of the filmmaking is that Mel Gibson decided to uh, film this movie entirely in the native language of the Mayans. Uh, He had done that before in The Passion of the Christ, which I believe was maybe about a, it came out maybe about two years before this movie. So he had uh, sampled with using completely native languages in his movies. Uh, What can we say and what do we know about the language that he decided to use for these people?
0: All of the ethnic tribes and peoples depicted in the film were Maya, as well as the city built for the story. And similar to Gibson's earlier film, as you mentioned, The Passion of the Christ, in which he used the Aramaic language, which is the actual language that Jesus of Nazareth spoke, all the dialogue in Apocalypto is a modern approximation of the ancient language of the setting. And here, the indigenous Yucatec Maya language is spoken with subtitles, of course. Now, Gibson initially didn't even want to put subtitles, and he thought that would have an effect But he was convinced by the powers that be, I assume, in the large studios that subtitles were needed. And this is what he actually said when it came to the use of the language. He said, I think hearing a different language allows the audience to completely suspend their own reality and get drawn into the world of the film. And more importantly, this also puts the emphasis on the cinematic visuals, which are a kind of universal language of the heart. With regards to subtitles, I'd like to ask you your opinion. How do you deal with subtitles when watching a movie?
1: It's so funny. And when I I was just thinking about the subtitles, you almost with this movie, like last, um, when I was watching it last, somebody was talking in the background at my house and I had to turn up the sound, even though I don't speak Yucatec. I think that the language of it, of the movie and choosing to use the language was so critical to the movie. I think the movie would have been. Honestly, probably not nearly as good if if they were speaking English. And I I think the subtitles, you could almost lose yourself in the subtitles and you could still follow the movie and just, um, you know, not be studying the subtitles, but just glancing at them and kind of focusing back and forth. But that language, the language is really what carries it through, I think.
0: Well, I agree in both his movies, The Passion of the Christ and also this one. I'm a big fan of subtitles and even when I'm watching an American TV series, I'll have the subtitles on because I love words. I love reading, I love writing, and I just love how words are crafted. So when I'm listening to TV from any time during the day, I'll have the subtitles on because I, firstly, I don't like missing anything. I like catching all the words and the dialogue. Also, I love to see how names are spelled. And let's face it, a lot of actors are mumbling And the sound isn't always 100%. So I really like to see what's going on. And it's a skill that I think I've acquired over time. I can read subtitles so quickly. And my eyes can flip from the titles to the screen. And I can see everything that's happening. So when I have a TV program or a film without subtitles, I feel a bit denied or a bit lost. So I really like subtitles. So I have no problem. With the fact that he used them in both movies, I know a lot of people are allergic to subtitles, and it might even turn them off from watching a film. But I feel otherwise.
1: That's so interesting. My daughter uh, and I've never met anybody else who's done that. That's probably since she's been a little girl. She's always put on the subtitles or the closed captioning on everything she w- would watches on TV.
0: It's a habit that you can acquire. My kids, since they were little, have always watched TV with subtitles. And when the subtitles aren't on, they're the first to ask, Hey, what's going on? We want to see the written words. So oh, that's
1: really interesting.
0: Yeah. We were talking about Mel Gibson and how he viewed the subtitles. I just wanted to add his opinion regarding the actual genre of the film, because as I mentioned earlier, It's a typical action adventure chase movie, but he said that he wanted to shake it up a bit. He did not want to use and have his movie be dominated by CGI and stock stories and shallow characters to create a foot chase that would, in his own words, feel like a car chase that just keeps turning the screws. He was successful in the way he put together this film from an action point of view. When watching the film, we realize at one point the whole film shifts into the chase genre. And that's when, of course, there is the eclipse. The sacrificial intended victims are saved and then are put through this game, which is basically an instigation for Chase. So I think he actually makes it work brilliantly. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Join us next time for the final part of this special interview. Check out the YouTube version of this episode, which has accompanying visuals. I'm Mark Vinette. And I hope you enjoyed the listen. Doctors endorse it, nutritionists recommend it, and customers love it. Calotrin Healthy Weight Loss. Ron in Texas lost 35 pounds. Marie in Pennsylvania lost 117 pounds with calotrin. Diane not only lost weight, but she also found relief from arthritis. Lynn lost over 45 pounds. Calotrin contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body, which decreases as we age. Taking calatrin promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. T-O-R-Y using the code 30605.